1: Hello and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast. My name is DJ Short and I'm back here with my co-host Drew Silva. We're live on Twitch right now, so welcome to our audience there. If you're listening in podcast form or or watching later on YouTube, we're recording Thursday night, June 23rd at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. The NBA draft going on right now, among other things. Kind of a light slate with baseball tonight, only three games. There were some afternoon games and we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. But for today's show, we're actually going to talk a little Pittsburgh Pirates. It's been a little while since...
2: Finally, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's been a while since then. That's been at the top of minds for fantasy managers and and you know nationally, baseball fans and, in general. But we thought this was a good time to do it with O'Neill Cruz's return to the majors this week. And in order to do that, we're happy to have Jason Mackey, Pirates beat writer for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette with us. Jason, thanks so much for coming on the show.
3: Thank you for having me. My pleasure.
1: Yeah, so like I was saying, this afternoon, the Pirates had a walk-off win against the Cubs. They kind of got beat up the night before, but Michael Chavis played hero. This afternoon had the game-tying homer, the walk-off single in the 10th for the win. It was dampened somewhat with uh, Key Brian Hayes, got a bit shaken up at at home plate, collided uh, with Wilson Contreras there on the slide
3: in the home plate. How are things looking with Hayes right now? As I understand them, pretty good. Um, I was texting with a source close to Hayes not long ago, When he basically used the term "a little bit sore." All good um, imaging they took on Hayes, I believe, came back negative. Derek Shelton said after the game that he talked to Hayes, and, and Hayes seemed to be, you know, in good spirits and, and no worse for wear. It was an ugly play. I mean, you guys saw it. Like mm-hmm. the way Hayes went in, it was like his shoulder connecting with Contreras' his shin guard, like easily a way you could separate your shoulder or something. And then Hayes kind of rolled over on his back and he was just like looking up at the sky. And I thought, oh no, is he concussed? Like did something worse happen? And it was a weird celebration, right? Like that was the walk-off win. That was the run. He was very clearly safe. They start like setting off fireworks and playing music and you know, credit to the people in PNC Park. They realized that soon after, like, okay, let's let's tone this down a little bit. And it, it was not a, an excitable mood or anything like that. But, yeah, I think Hayes is going to be fine. We'll see how he, he looks, you know, tomorrow, how he feels. If he got the day off, it wouldn't surprise me. That's sort of the trend, what they've been doing with him. But I, I don't think it's anything too serious.
2: He did have a big home run earlier in the game. And someone tweeted that uh, I think it was the first time that Hayes and Brian Reynolds had homered in the same game. (laughs) I was the one that tweeted that. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. (laughs) I thought so, man. One, one observation I have about the pirates right now is, and I follow all of their beat writers on, on Twitter. It's kind of part of our job to like track news in that way. And, a lot of times over the past few years, and even this year, you guys were very focused on the minor leagues, mm-hmm. which makes sense. It's a team that's in a rebuild, and there's a lot of exciting young talent. But I feel like it's shifted now to where you know, there's a big focus on the major league roster, which is really exciting, with Cal Mitchell and Cabrian Hayes taking another step forward in his – you know, I guess this is his sophomore kind of season. Obviously, O'Neill Cruz will get to him. He looks incredible it's just, it must be exciting to kind of like flip the scripts as a beat reporter to where you're, you're really focused on the major league roster. I mean, you always have been, but like even more so now, and there's some excitement around the team at least.
3: Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Trust me. I live it. You know, I I go through this with people all the time. Like our job as beat writers. Our job is the post Gazette or any outlet covering the team. You want to provide interesting content stuff people want to read. And until this year that stuff has come in the minor leagues. And so I know, you know, me personally, my bosses, we have supported a plan where we go on the road and cover minor league stuff. We've been down to minor league camp a bunch. Um, the Pirates have been great with opening that stuff up to us, both with players, coaches, team staffers, whatever. From a readership standpoint, that's been what people have engaged with the most, the rebuild and trying to tell those stories. And so that's been really fun. But like you said, it's it's sort of trickling up to the major league roster now where O'Neill Cruz, uh, I joked with somebody today, I could write about his you know, his genes right now and, and like somebody would legitimately be interested in that stuff. And, and that's cool. I mean, they, they should be. He's a fun player. He's a talented player. He's somebody who's going to get them noticed on a national stage. And we're seeing the beginnings of that. I think the Pirates are in a pretty good spot with the talent they have in the minor leagues, how they've revamped developing those players and, and they've drafted well. I mean, I can't criticize them for that. They've gotten good players in the organization. They just haven't gotten a lot out of them. They're seemingly changing that stuff, but there's all kinds of reasons to be excited. Rowanzi Contreras has looked really good. Um, they've got a bunch of good pitchers in Double A: O'Neill Cruz, Cal Mitchell, Jack Sawinski. Um, these guys have sort of come up here, and they haven't been intimidated. They've been able to fit right into the culture that the Pirates have created, and they're winning some games. I mean, give Derek Shelton some credit. I mean, they're not going to compete for a division title. They're not a playoff team, but they, in a few ways, are punching above their weight right now. It's actually halfway impressive.
1: Yeah, I, I what I I've, I've been watching a lot of pirates uh this week and I think a lot of baseball fans have because there's so much excitement there. One thing I noticed is the players celebrating with each other, these young players who've yep. played together throughout the minor leagues. That you know, you see Bly Madras hit his first home run, and you see Jack Sawinski you know, jumping on top of him, Cal Mitchell. These are guys who may get sent down when the roster gets a little bit healthier. Maybe one or two get sent down, but they're all celebrating each other because they played together throughout the minor leagues. So I think that's really cool
3: to see them come up
1: to the major league level and have this success.
3: 100%. And like I know in Pittsburgh, I obviously do a lot of radio shows and I'm asked about this and people ask, you know, why should anybody care about the Pirates? Why should, why does this season matter? And like my answer that I generally give is some version of what you saw on TV. You're going to see Bly Madras make his MLB debut. You're going to see Jack Sawinski and Cal Mitchell get opportunities. What can they do with them? Before this season, I had no idea Jack Sawinski could be the type of player that he's been at the major league level. He right could we Did
2: we? <laughs> yeah,
3: right. I mean, it's it's crazy, and it, he's been really, really good. But that's what this season has been about. You know, you're, you're going to get to watch a whole bunch of O'Neill Cruz and see him develop, and they're going to do some stuff that's really dumb. I mean, they're not going to do stuff that's lazy, but they're going to do stuff that just like their kids getting an opportunity. But there are also going to be moments like the one we're talking about with, you know, Sawinski and Bly. And like, I love that that image you guys are talking about. And like O'Neill Cruz is is right next to them, all seven foot six of him <laughs> hugging Bly Madrid. It looks like he's hugging his kid. Yes. But I mean, it's it's phenomenal and it's fun. And you like in Pittsburgh, you tweet that stuff and you talk about that stuff and you write that stuff and, and people gobble it up. They don't want to hear about Josh Van Meter and Kevin Newman and Yoshi Satsugo right. and all these also-rans that you know are on the fringe of the roster. They want to see the kids, and they're willing to accept the kids being not that good. But you also get some cool, exciting moments.
2: Yeah, I think Sawinski and Cal Mitchell are especially interesting because you know O'Neal Cruz and and some some of their other top prospects get a lot of headlines as they come up through the minors. But Sawinski and Mitchell seem like guys that may may have been, like, forgotten about as the minor league seasons got canceled in 2020 because of COVID. Like, those guys who are fringe prospects and, you know, don't get the headlines of the top guys. But in a rebuild, a team needs, like, those B and C level prospects, you know, a few of them to emerge. And it it looks like – I mean, Sawinski leads all NL rookies in home runs, right? he does and, and he yeah and then he was really good last year in the minors yeah um and he's like what yeah. a former 15th 16th round pick or something like he he wasn't a high level yeah. draft pick. i think mitchell was third round yeah yep and, but he was also a guy that i think 2020 kind of you know moved him off the radar um and i know he's quieted down a bit after what was a really good start to his major league career uh, but those two kind of players are, are really interesting to me and and the, the kind of thing that an organization needs to, to take that next step, you you know, you have the, the big-time prospects that graduate and you expect them to become stars, and that's great. But you also need depth. And I don't know. I mean, the, the Pirates have a long way to go. It's it's probably going to be a couple years before this is really a contending group. But I, this isn't really a question. I've just been really impressed with, with like, the Swinsky and Mitchell types.
3: Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I'm with you and they need guys like that. It's funny how this stuff works though. I've covered them since May of 2019 and all of these trades that they make, you know, you get varying degrees. People want to grade them immediately and say, oh, they lost this, they won this. Oh, this is terrible. And like the stuff always changes. You know, they trade Josh Bell and everybody was all like, you know, excited over Eddie Yeen, this kid they got the pipeline had in the top 10. he's this big Dominican prospect. I don't even know if Eddie Yean is playing the affiliated ball right now. And that's nothing against Eddie Yean. It's just like stuff changes so much. You know, Will Crow was like an also ran starting pitcher that were like, eh, Will Crow outside of today has been a really, really good reliever for them. You know, Jack Sawinski and Tukapita Marcano came over in the Adam Frazier trade. People around here were furious about the Adam Frazier trade. Ben Sherrington didn't get enough. He was terrible. What did he let Adam go for? And like, now we're seeing what he let him go for. And people are all of a sudden singing the praises of the Adam Frazier trade. Like it's just been such a level in patience and in this stuff being nonlinear. You just can't predict some of these guys clicking. Cal Mitchell, for instance, just to talk about him for for like one second. He was not put on the 40 men roster this offseason. Um, that ticked him off quite a bit. And he Basically, had to show the organization, like, look, I'm worthy of a spot. I'm going to stick this to you. I'm going to play with a little bit of an edge. And he did. And right now, I mean, he responded as well as you could have a kid his age respond. And he's gotten himself into the big leagues. That stuff isn't quantifiable. There's no metric for that. There's no ranking system for that. And so that's been really cool to see this stuff sort of come out of nowhere.
1: So we could probably spend 30 minutes talking about O'Neill Cruz. We're, we're not going to do that, but obviously he's the the hot topic of the week, um, really across baseball, but in fantasy baseball as well. And he was already a bit of a stat cast darling in the brief time he was up late last year. I think he only played, what, three games or two yeah, games?
3: No, two. two. <laughs> um,
1: but really, he's picked up from where he's left off so far, hitting Rockets, making incredible throws, uh, showing off elite sprint speed. He had that diving play today with another rocket to first base. and That was
2: incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and,
1: you know, there's been a lot of debate about his ability to stick at shortstop, but
3: I think he's sort of answering those critics already. Yeah, his defense has been really good, and that was something we asked Derek Shelton about after today's game. I actually wrote a story about it as well. Like, that's been such a topic for – all of the beat writers for anybody covering the minor leagues, for the farm director, all this stuff. I mean, how is O'Neill Cruz developing? Is he going to stick at shortstop? Where is he ultimately going to land? Can he play the outfield? Does he want to play the outfield? All these different storylines and, you know, a series of O'Neill Cruz games. I mean, obviously, that's not a season, but I mean, there's nothing glaringly deficient about his defense. I'll say that. I've also seen O'Neill play probably a dozen times between the minors and the majors. And I've never seen anything that was like, Ooh, he really needs to work on that. That's awful. Like, it's just consistency. Um, You know, he'll have games where he just looks, you know, like sloppy or not lazy. That's the wrong word, but you know, isn't entirely as focused as you might like somebody to be. I mean, he just looks like a kid. He just like, he has some growing up to do and there's nothing at all wrong with that. But I'm curious if this hasn't helped him turn to turn a corner and, You know, another sort of storyline that we deal with in Pittsburgh is, you know, the the staying at shortstop, how much he wants to stay at shortstop, the organization wanting him to try a new position. And O'Neal basically saying, I'm going to show you I'm going to show you that I can stick at shortstop. And I think it's fascinating in that context what he's done already because he's shown them so far. I mean, yes, four games. Let's qualify it with that. But if for some reason this would continue, we wouldn't worry in the least about O'Neill Cruz staying at shortstop. He's been more than capable. He's been downright fascinating to watch.
2: He's really big over there. I mean, he looks—he—he <laughs> he, he sticks out on the screen. But there have been big shortstops in the past. I mean, Cal Ripken Jr. Ripken, was not yes. a small guy. Carlos Correa is not a small guy. Alex Rodriguez, Rob, yeah, yeah. And so, like, I—I I mean, I would think they just might as well keep him there as long as he looks okay. And, and really he looks fantastic right now. He's so athletic and maybe that focus will kind of shift as he becomes a professional major league baseball player. Like maybe he starts to take it more seriously or just, you know, get develops a bit more of a baseball IQ and knows when he can kind of relax and knows when he has to turn on the jets. And, and I'm sure that kind of stuff will come. I think he would probably make a great outfielder too. Yeah. If they they wanted to, to put him out there, but yeah. I mean, he he looks he looks the part. I wonder about. Did you get any sense? I know he struggled like the first three weeks at AAA to begin the year, and do you think there was some frustration that he didn't make the opening day roster, and he carried that with him, or is that just kind of a silly narrative?
3: No, I think that's real. Yeah, I, I really do. Um, I he was not happy. I can tell you that from going to Indianapolis. I made a trip there in May and talked to him and just seeing his, I forget what his quote was, but I, I, I'll i never forget his face. Like it looked like somebody set off some sort of like, I don't know, smell bomb or something. And I was like, Oh, you know, like when you ask him about going down, he just didn't want to go down. He didn't feel like he should have gone down. And I think he has a reasonable case. Yeah. And I, he's never openly said, yes, that's screwed with my head, but there's enough context clues there. Like I, I think he was upset. I don't think he felt like he deserved that. He was probably feeling sorry for himself, and probably questioned himself a little bit. And you know, it, good for him. He has battled his way out of it, and he's been really good since.
1: Well, Sasbetta's family barbecue had a great tweet today. They said O'Neill Cruz has single-handedly vaulted the Pirates from bottom ten to the top ten in the unofficial MLB TV watchability rankings. And <laughs> No doubt. In a I way, I agree. That's what it's about. I mean, you know, baseball is entertainment and that's, you know, that's certainly there and and he adds to that. But winning is the goal here in the long term. You know, from watching what you've seen from Cruz in the past, um what we've seen in this this short sample here, you know, what kind of sam- what kind of ceiling do you think he has as the Pirates try to climb back to respectability? Like can he be a superstar? Because yes. I mean, I see that.
3: Yes, 100%. Okay. 100% superstar. I, I have no doubt in my mind. Um, you know, I, I I don't know. It would be hard to give you an answer on what his ceiling is because I don't think I see one. Yeah, I see a kid who has just an ungodly amount of power. I've never seen somebody swing like that. You know, certainly not in Pittsburgh. I'm sure in other markets, they would give you a better comp. But based on the talent we've seen run through here, I mean, we were talking about this. I forget with whom, but you know, in terms of purely talented Pirates prospects, not productivity, like obviously Kutch in recent years is going to trump that. But, you know, pure skills. What, is there anybody better than this kid? And I don't I, I don't think so. I mean, you watch him throw and what what he can do with his arm. You watch him run and how fast he is. You watch his power. I mean, he's an absolute freak. There's no reason this kid can't be a superstar. And I like his temperament there's a little bit of an edge to it, a little bit of a cocky. It's all in a good way. You know, you see teammates react to him. They don't react that way to people who are jerks. You know, he's a very good teammate. He's a very good person, but like he believes in himself and you give this kid some opportunity, let him grow into his position, into his body. I, the, this could be the start of something really, really special with this kid.
2: Well, I think he just went 10th overall to the Pelicans. After
3: <laughs> I, I, hey, he could probably be a tight
1: end in the NFL. He could <laughs> he could play power forward and in, uh, in the NBA. He could do anything. Like, he's that kind of freak athlete for sure. But one quote I saw from him on Monday, he said, you're going to see a lot of balls hit hard and a lot of balls traveling very far. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, i love that I love well that. man they yeah,
2: have the exit velocities and the sprint speed if you're talking about like fantasy ceiling this is 30 30 stuff right yep. and there's not a ton of swing and miss there either for how big he is i mean th- there's a little bit of strikeout in there but not to the level that you know for some prospects who have been ranked above or around him or right below him like i, I think he's the total package and there will be you know he's not he's not going to be like a a Juan Soto probably where it just happens for him right away. Like those kind of players are very rare, Uh, but he's got all the tools to be like a a first round fantasy draft pick in the coming years. I I think from what I see, and especially with, with, with the, the, the supporting cast around him improving too. I mean, he just looks a lot more attractive. Yeah.
3: I mean, he's going to have to learn to make adjustments at this level too. Like even from Monday until today, like we're seeing him pitch differently. He's not going to see many fastballs because of what teams know that he can do with them. And he's either going to have to take breaking pitches and work counts more or just crush them too. Um, he's definitely a fastball heavy swinger, but I, you know, again, like we saw this with Sawinski a lot. He came out, was really, really good. The league adjusted to him and credit to Jack. He adjusted back really well and, We'll see what O'Neill does. I mean, the book is going to get out on him. But again, if we're talking about a kid that has the physical tools to do it, the temperament, all this stuff, like it is absolutely there.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to keepitfunohio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's
3: only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
2: of a detour.
1: So with Ruansi Contreras, just 22 years old, to, to see what he's doing in the majors right now, 2.89 ERA, 38 strikeouts uh, in 37 in the third innings, really great stuff too. You know, mid to high 90s fastball, a slider which as far as, you know, getting swings and misses is right up there with, you know, some elite pitchers far as the uh, swing and miss rate on that. He's basically up there with like Edwin Diaz, as far as elite uh, with that with that slider. Do you think he could be that kind of top of the rotation anchor for the Pirates moving forward? No, I do. And
3: I think they're counting on him to be that too. Yeah. Um, you know, not right now. I think he's still getting his legs under him. He's, like you said, very, very young, only 22. But one of the things that impresses me so much about Contreras, and, and we don't see this much with pitchers here because of sort of the section of the store that the Pirates tend to shop in, But, like, if you watch elite pitchers, these guys can – they might give up a run. They don't give up five. They don't let it snowball on them. If they have to make some sort of adjustment, do something differently to get back on track, they're able to do it very quickly. They're able to self-correct. Roe does that. He does that within an inning, um, and he's just – you know, he'll give up a run, but very rarely is he going to give up multiple or just be in an outing where he's completely lost. It might be shift my plan from A to B to C. Um, but it's just like you, you watch this kid pitching like you're, you're, you're really 22 you yeah. don't pitch like a 22 you, you don't act like a 22 year old I mean obviously the stuff is really good but I guess what I'm trying to say is like my biggest impression of him so far has just been how mature he is in his approach how much he understands himself how much he is able to actually pitch instead of just throwing
2: speaking of that I, I've been impressed with Mitch Keller recently like yeah. I I mean, he's a guy that's been – that DJ and I have talked about as like a sleeper for many years now. And, I mean, I I, I haven't looked up his stats, but like over the last five or six outings, I think he's – he spent a little time in the bullpen. But since he's returned to the rotation, I, I think he's been really good. Have you talked with him or people around the Pirates about some adjustments that he's made to possibly take that next step?
3: Yeah, so this has been a fascinating story with these guys. Like Mitch Keller obviously was their top prospect at one point. A lot of people – expected him to be really good he wasn't and he's been really bad at times he was sent Mm -hmm. down to the minor leagues last year there's been a lot said and written around here comparing him to Tyler Glass now and just he hasn't been able to figure it out with the Pirates he's gonna have to go somewhere else to do it fast forward to this year the Pirates hired a guy named Dewey Robinson who was the Tampa Bay Rays like pitching coordinator guru guy you know did some stuff with their development and helping out pitchers with pitching plans and such Well, he got a hold of Keller and basically said, look, your forcing fastball isn't good enough. It's not. This is the type of pitch that like it doesn't have the type of ride you think it does, um, the type of movement. It's not going to miss as many bats. You don't control it as well. You need to have another weapon. And so they worked with him on a sinker and they unveiled it, I think, four starts ago. And -hmm. Mitch has been throwing a sinker. Um, Ever since he got back into the starting rotation, I believe that lines up correctly. But I know, yeah, like it does. I, I pulled up
2: his game log. Yeah. Okay,
3: cool. And I think over his past four, if you look at that real quick, I think his ERA is like two and a half, maybe 2.54, 2.42. 2. 2.42. Ah, it's off by a little. But <laughs> no, I mean, he's been a completely different pitcher. A completely different pitcher. He's throwing strikes. He's confident. He's challenging guys. He's ahead in the count. He's actually putting guys away instead of throwing an O two 2 curveball over the middle of the plate. Like, he has confidence in that sinker to throw it low in the zone and actually get a ground ball with it. It's been remarkable. This is the first time I've covered all of Mitch's career, and I've worried a lot about his future for for that time until right now. Like, Mitch can absolutely continue doing what he's doing. He's been really, really good for them.
1: And the sinker, you know, he's getting the ball on the ground. He has a 53% ground ball rate during those four starts, too. So, you know, even though the control still, you know, comes and goes. Yeah. And he hasn't missed as many bats, but if he's putting the ball on the ground with the defense that the Pirates have, that could be a good combination, obviously. So we have a little bit more to get to before the end of the show. But before we do, uh, just a quick word for our listeners. Weekends are better with MLB Sunday leadoff coverage presented by Uber Eats. Catch the Mets take on the Marlins in Miami this Sunday, June 26th at 1130 Eastern live on peacock to learn more go to peacocktv.com/mlb and if you want a chance to win $25,000 on the game download the nbc sports predictor app powered by points bet and enter Sunday's free grand slam pick 'em contest so we've talked about a lot of players who've made an impact on this roster in a short amount of time diego castillo was another one who came up early on in the season and, you know, it was a pretty good prospect for them coming into the year, had some success out of the gate, struggled a little bit after that. He's sidelined right now. We'll see. There's a lot of talent up the middle for the Pirates, Tucapito Marcano, who you who you mentioned a little bit earlier. Uh, briefly, we got a look the other day at uh, Leo Verpigero. I think that was more like out of necessity that, that he came up. I think he only played, what, one game before going yeah. down. But he's a really exciting player as well. Who are some names that, you know, fantasy managers who maybe might not be fully aware of the the pirate system, as far as this next wave of players, who should they look out for?
3: Well, I don't know if this would fall into the category you're talking about, but I'll be interested to see what happens with Michael Chavis. Yoshi Setsugo is in AAA right now on a rehab assignment. Um, I do think they're going to give him first base back when he comes back. I think that's going to upset a lot of people, but that's probably going to bump Chavis over to second base. I don't know if that increases positional flexibility. Um, He's certainly not a prospect, but he's having a pretty good year and uh, he's going to stay in the lineup. As far as next guys up in their farm system, Pagaro's one. uh, He's obviously on the 40-man roster. You're right. It was a COVID crunch. Like He was just the closest one to get here. It's kind of an interesting storyline with him and Cruz both playing shortstop. Like They need to make a decision at some point who your shortstop of the future is. I would point you to Nick Gonzalez, but he's out I think about two months now with like a heel injury, just went down. He was their 2020 first round pick. So he's somebody I would normally show you, but not quite right now. Their next prospect up um, is probably a guy that is, you know, he could be a fantasy sleeper or maybe he's a dud and you don't want to pick him up. I'm not sure, but G1 Bay, I guess it depends on how, how big your league is. Hitting, I think, 304 for Indianapolis right now. Real good on base guy, ton of speed. Has stolen 30 plus a couple years. He's discovered some power this year and last year. An intriguing prospect, absolutely. Plays second base, shortstop, a little bit of outfield. But when they get a chance to play him, I think they're going to ride, you know, probably see what happens with Yoshi. They might have to play Kevin Newman. Marcano was good before he went out with COVID. But at some point in here, I expect them to call Bay up. And he's somebody I'll be keeping an eye on.
2: I, I could probably look this up myself, but did Henry Davis get back into the? He's into back the into the mix. Yeah. Okay. Cool. He's not
3: not hitting a ton at Double A though. He's only like one hundred something.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's definitely intri- an intriguing long term guy. The first overall pick last year. It takes catchers a little while usually to to work their way through the the minor leagues. I guess we got to talk trade deadline before we let you go though and I'm the pirates are really exciting right now this this wave of talent and the next wave to come but they're going to be active sellers like no doubt yeah who do you think goes i mean if sorry to put you on the spot but like jose cantana that 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 would make a lot of sense if they can get yeah. like a, a level prospect or two c level prospects for him david bednar maybe gets tangled no. no 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 okay. no, no. Yeah, stop me no <laughs>
3: No, that's, it's just funny. You bring that up. Like somebody wrote that they were going to trade Bednar or they should trade Bednar or something like this. And it started this like firestorm of, you know, like every radio hit I did, they're asking me like, are they going to trade Bednar? And like, no, they're not going to trade Bednar. I I mean, I suppose they can, like if somebody makes them ridiculous offer, it's not like it's a blanket. No,
1: Yeah. Um,
3: but I don't think anybody's going to be dangling two top 50 prospects for Bednar. You know, and he like he's from Pittsburgh. I don't know how much you guys have been to Pittsburgh. Like, it's a weird place. We love our own. Anybody who embraces Pittsburgh culture, like you are one forever. It's like this weird, you know, Polish gang. But I mean, you can't trade. You can't (laughs) trade it. It's just not. You can't do it unless you get some absolutely insane return. But Quintana's a for sure. He's on an expiring deal, 2000000 million. He's been pitching really, really well. They can get something for him, absolutely. It's like the Tyler Anderson plan last year yeah. with what they did. Uh, before this recent stretch where he went out with a hamstring injury, I would have said Ben Gamble is somebody that would get something back for them. I think he profiles as a nice fourth outfielder on a contender. Uh, I, I still think they'll try to move Gamble if they can any of these veteran guys that they're bringing back, you know, like Van Meter's not going to fall into that category. Jake Marisnyk's not going to fall into that category. Yoshi probably isn't going to fall into that category, but anybody who's playing reasonably well that they can get something for, maybe Chris Stratton pushes himself into that category. I could see them trading. I just, I can't see them doing it with Bednar. He's only in his second year. Um, Contract-wise, he's set up to be affordable. He's really good. Obviously, there's a tie to the city here. I just, you, you would... The pirates have ticked off their fan base so much over the past four or five years, they just they they cannot do it again. They cannot afford that.
1: Yeah, especially during a time when there's actually some excitement. Uh, You wouldn't want to snuff that out. And the same goes for like listening on Brian Reynolds.
2: Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Let's. We gotta you got you gotta get your two cents on Brian Reynolds. Yeah.
3: I would trade Reynolds before I trade Bednar. I wouldn't no, I mean, either one of them, but I can yeah. at least understand Reynolds if you've got Cal and Sawinski, and maybe you're going to try O'Neill there. Travis Swagger, he's a first-round pick in AAA. Right. Bly Madris has been good. Kanan Smith and Jigba is an outfielder on the 40 that currently is hurt. I mean, they at least have options there. Again, I'd be looking to extend Brian Reynolds. I think he is, you know, like a top 10 in the National League player whenever he's at his best. He hasn't been for a lot of this season, but, like, is – capable of being that you should be building around that guy but i mean if i have to pick one him or him or bednar like reynolds is an easy choice
1: yeah but reynolds got off to a bad start this year but he's been great this month i think including today he's hitting 364 with five home runs this month so that's that's good to see and hopefully fantasy managers were, were patient with reynolds as well but yeah. yeah so this was great jason thanks so much for for coming on cool. the show definitely hope you have you back at some point and you know it's it's just really exciting to see the the pirates relevant and getting this national attention
3: yeah it's nice i i agree from my perspective it's nice to see people talking about those guys so thank you guys for having me on and happy to do it anytime
2: i'm I'm from st louis so i get the pittsburgh thing like these post-industrial towns that are kind of like you know no one really wants to move here you know everyone that, that lives here is like from here yeah, and, but we like the stuff that we have and we like that things are cheap and we like weird ingredients on things like fr- French fries <laughs> yeah. on sandwiches and provolone cheese on pizza. And like, you know, so I get it,
3: man. I love St. Louis. Yeah. I mean, seriously. It is a top five road city for me. People think I'm insane. Wow. I'm saying that. I absolutely love it, man. You guys You're- do it right. You have great baseball coverage post dispatches. One of my favorite reads out of town. Like I just love coming to St. Louis.
2: Awesome. Thanks so much for doing it. Thanks. Again, right,
3: have a good night.
1: If you like what you're hearing with this show, Circling the Bases, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review if you don't mind. Five stars, always appreciated. Follow us on Twitter if you don't already. I'm at DJ Short. Drew is at Silve. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next time.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed?